Turtle, what's going on? What's going on? Matt, Mr. Matt, how we doing, my friend? Ah, pretty good, pretty good. Sun beating down on you still? Hot down here, hot up there, or what? Hot diggity up here, 96 degrees. Sheesh. My wife, she's actually down your neck of the woods. She's at a bachelorette party in Miami, just ripping it up right now with all her girlfriends. Wow, Miami. I stay, I steer so far away from there unless there's like a card show or a pickleball tournament or anything like that. I'm not. I'll go to a Dolphins game or two, but. Yeah, I was going to say, that's out. an absolute false statement since you're rocking the reek into a stack. You're all about Miami. I am all about Miami. Let's hope those boys dominate this year. But uh, Miami it's, is an interesting place. the city man. itself from a distance. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll steer very clear from there. There's a few things down there that I'll go and check out. But, like, for the most part, you're not going to catch me down in Miami. You're not going to catch me in Dade County. So what's the reason for that? Just I just am not a city guy, man. Like, I just have never been a big city guy. I don't really like being around too many people, you know, at, at, at a time just because – I don't know. It overwhelms me. So I'll stick to my, you know, small city down here, West Palm. It's a lot. Uh, it's a lot more quaint, and I, uh, I like that more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, since we last connected um, to review the uh, AFC West, um, not a whole ton of like NFL news that has been like earth shattering or or crazy. Um, speaking of the AFC West, though, we had Tim Patrick suffer that unfortunate ACL tear. Uh, how would you think that affects Russ uh, at the controls uh, for Denver this year? I mean, I don't think it has too much of a uh, negative swing on Russell for the year. I think it's a damn shame because Tim Patrick got a nice contract and he showed and he proved that he can really be a, an, uh, a dynamic weapon for that team. He might have kept with, on the Yeah, with bad quarterback play too. So imagine Russ going in there and him, you know, having a connection with uh, Tim Patrick. We're missing out on what could have been, but with that being said, we got Sutton and we got Judy who are both, I think, in line to pop very heavily this year and I'm excited to see that. And do you have any love whatsoever for the former second-round pick uh, out of Penn State, K.J. Hamler? It's not that I don't have love for K.J. Hamler. I just think he's been through a lot. I know he had a very aggressive injury, actually a couple of very aggressive injuries. So I know that he just got taken off the pup list, but I don't necessarily mean – I don't think that means that he's going to be playing right away. They're going to have to ease him in very, very slowly and be very cautious with his injuries. He did have the Agnuski hip pop. He didn't, right? Or he did? He did. Yeah, so he's he's hurting, man. We haven't heard he one one chirp Agnuski. about Agnuski. Yeah, but we have heard chirps about Hamler catching deep balls from Russ Wilson as, you know, training camp hype gets literally out of control. It's uh, crazy. Speak, speaking of which, you were you were pumping up uh, a one Tristan, Tristan Ebner uh, in the chat today. I mean, is that something you want to go on record for on in terms of what his 22 season is going to look like? Yes, I will go on record on that. First off, we call the man Tristan Ebner, Eben Flow. And I think that he has a skill set in that Bears offense that none of the other running backs really truly have. He's a pass-catching, dynamic playmaking running back he's a rookie he was a six-round pick so I mean it's nothing crazy but I think that where do you play ball uh, he played ball at Baylor so with, with with the lack of wide receivers at the helm in Chicago I think Ebner can step into some type of role kind of similar to what I think Pollard's going to be doing this year where they're, they're going to be throwing him in the slot a little bit they're going to try to get him the ball and see what he can do with it I know that it's not you know set in stone but he was a guy on our waiver wire in our league and I didn't even put in a bid to get him I, I think I, I think I might have bid one dollar to get him so I spent I spent a dollar on him but I think he could potentially be an instant return and turn a profit for me quickly. So, you know, so you, you think know. that $1 he's going to turn into $10? I would hope so. I mean, I, I'd be hearing good things about him. I saw a couple of videos of him lately, and he definitely looks like he's an explosive player. He's got some juice. Yeah. In those legs. Um, yeah, so so we'll see. I mean, there, there has been some crazy training camp hype. I mean, I think if I had to pick one player who I think is just um, – 
getting the most hype is Sky Moore. Yes. I see his name everywhere. I see the highlights. I see the jet sweeps, the off the field stuff. He's sitting with Mahomes in the classroom, tapping him on the shoulder, asking quite it's it's out of control. I, I think they're they've dissected his his diet at this point and you know what time his bowel movements are. It's just it's it's beyond with uh Skymore. With that said, we're looking at a team that after Kelsey, the 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 pass catching pecking order is is truly up for grabs. What are your expectations for Skymore rookie season? I think that he's going to be a good player, and I do see him being lined up in the backfield quite often on videos of training camp. Is that I just think- you hate CEH, or we hate CEH, and you just have no trust in the backfield, and they just need to get weapons back there? I mean, they got to do whatever they can do this year. They're they're down their best playmaking, um, you know, they're they're down their best playmaker in Tyreek Hill. They don't really have an established run game. So they got to they got to do some tricks to try to uh, you know stay relevant. I think the Chiefs are going to be great this year, but I think it's going to be a bit more of a difficult season unless these wide receivers step up. Yeah, and and like you said, I mean, I don't I don't know I don't know if MVS is the guy. I definitely don't know if Juju still got the juice. I would hope he does, but you're you're basically playing with guys that haven't really established themselves fully like in a a long period of time so I think that it's really just going to depend on who Patrick Mahomes takes a liking to the most which is probably going to be Kelsey but other than Kelsey I would I would I would think that it's going to be Juju because Juju's done it in the NFL he's done it in the NFL he's had some elite seasons so that would be my my pick so whatever Juju does despite the hype Sky Moore is getting a lesser stat line i mean how 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 much can you trust rookies like we're in training camp right now like yes he's probably having a great training camp but is he actually going to be on the field every single play is he i mean he might might be the beat writers will have you think that fourth round rookie romeo dubes is is the second coming of i don't know jerry rice yeah dubes you know We'll see Dobbs, what happens. Maybe, maybe it's Dobbs. I, I want to say it right. I think it's Romeo Dobbs. Who's getting the least hype that you've seen? Or that I guess you wouldn't have seen. Who do you think is getting not enough hype? I think Jamison Olave. Um, sorry, uh, Chris Olave. I got my Jamison Williams and Chris Olave. Because Jamison also has zero, but he's hurt, so he gets a pass. Yep. Uh, although you'd like to kind of hear positive recoveries and videos of him running, but whatever. Yeah, you've been uh, nervous about that for a while now with the Jamison Williams injury. Yeah, he was my bust for round one pick, but uh, I won't hold it against him because of the injury as of now. But it's Chris Olave. Um, I I mean, you, maybe it's the, the Michael Thomas storyline and his return to the field that's kind of dominating things, but I've just heard zero peeps on Olave, and it's starting to scare the heck out of me. Yeah, I saw a couple videos the other day. I don't think he's dead in the water by any means. I think that maybe the Saints just... Uh aren't unleashing him as quickly or people aren't just getting it on video. I don't know. It's, it is weird. Cause th- I've seen a couple of videos of it, um, of him just making some good cuts and, and, you know, burning some DBs, but you're right. He hasn't been getting nearly enough hype. And then Mondre Stevenson, man, Ramondre just was the darling of the off season. The fantasy hype train was going all over the place. And then the pads came on and, Mondre has completely evaporated into thin air. Yeah, but I think Mondre is going to be all right regardless because he's going to get on the field. It's going to probably be a close to even split between him and Damian Harris. So I don't think there's much to worry about. Yeah, I'll go on record as I disagree. I'll go on record. You disagree. I heavily disagree. I think Damian Harris is uh, a team leader there. I think the coaching staff is in love with him. Not not to say that they don't um, maybe love Mondre too, but I think the veteran trust is there, and I just think the advantage is heavily in Damian Harris's favor, especially with the huge question marks around the offense, because yeah. they don't get the formal coordinator. They got a former defensive coordinator and a former special teams coordinator, 
and then you know both both Patricia and Judge were head coach failed head coaches. So um, we'll give them the credentials uh, at special teams in defensive coordinator because that's where they actually had success. But now they're running an offense together, and I don't think it's going to be anything like a McDaniel's offense. And when things are going bad, you just go back to the one thing that you trust. And I think they trust Damian Harris. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I've been seeing some hype about your boy, Tyquan Thornton. I saw uh, some, yeah. some good stuff I, I about have seen him. That. I've seen, I mean, and then Isaiah McKenzie is just, you know, slot maven now. He's the guy over there, huh? He's the guy in Buffalo. There, There's no there's no talk about Crowder. I know Crowder was hurt for the past week or two. So crazy. they not talk about Crowder much. but Crowder's another evaporated off-season hype piece. Yeah, you're right. We were we were on the pod uh, a couple months ago saying Crowder's due for 100 targets, mm-hmm. which still could be true. No, yeah. The season hasn't started, and Crowder is – He's a proven vet, and he does a very good job in that slot. So who's to say that he doesn't, you know, overtake McKenzie at some point? Or they just maybe might deploy them both in certain situations. Yeah, I just think Crowder's unexciting at this point. Yeah, I mean, he he is. He's just going to be, you know, 10 yards out, 5 yards out, catch the ball. He's not going to be the guy fall down. Space. Fall yeah, down. yeah, yeah. The McKenzie, McKenzie is not there. Yeah. yeah, you're right. McKenzie has the has the yak ability as you just said. Um he's a fast small little guy and he he could dominate. We'll Twitchy see what happens. Hell. Twitchy yeah. as hell. And then the other I guess the the massive overarching news story that we've kind of pushed down is the Deshaun Watson piece came out, 6 game um suspension, NFL a couple days later. Did the old Dikembe Mutombo, no, 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 not in my house, uh, lodge the appeal. Now, it just recently came about, and this was very interesting to me, that during the deliberation, before that six-game ruling came down, the NFL had offered a settlement agreement to Deshaun Watson. They wanted 12 games, and there's a very important reason why they wanted 12-game suspension. And they wanted to carve out close to $15 million in terms of a fine. Now, as we all know, the Browns, to land Watson, fully guaranteed the contract, but also kind of skillfully, but also, you know, kind of shadily, um, constructed his contract in such a manner that there was only $1 million salary for the 2022 season. So no matter what he got suspended, he would only be getting fined or losing money on a a extremely small increment of the overall contract total. And I think that really rubbed the NFL the wrong way and they're coming for that money. And they, I think they fully plan to extract it. I think there's a little nod and a wink between Goodell and the person that he was, he had the absolute power based on the contract, based on the current CBA agreement to pick his person. It's not like a mutually agreed upon one. It's like he got to pick his old buddy to do the review. And it should be done expeditiously, we're told, so we could have some um, resolve on that soon. But back to the the 12 games, the reason why the 12 games is important is um, when you count the bye week, that means he's going to be out through week 13 and coming back on week 14. That week 13, the Browns play the Houston Texans. Wow. And the NFL absolutely does not want that in the headlines. They don't want, like usually Brady going back to play new England headline, put it on Monday night. They, they want the Cleveland versus Houston game to be this 1 PM silence, like, you know, even NFL red zones not covering. That's how quickly they want that game to be over and in the rearview mirror because all all it's going to drum up in the mainstream media is all the allegations and, and all that stuff again. So they certainly don't want to see Deshaun Watson on the field for that. And I think that is the the main reason why the 12 games is, is a real sticking point. And I think Deshaun should have took that because I feel like based on where things are headed – with the NFL saying, well, we want an indefinite suspension with a minimum of one year now because he didn't accept our our plea agreement or settlement agreement, I guess, um, that that's probably the best-case scenario. And technically, 
according to the article I read, is that settlement agreement is still out there valid. There could be Deshaun's camp could say, yeah, we'll take that. We'll take the 12 and we'll take the 15 million fine. But apparently, um, at least from those unidentified resources in the article I read was the money was actually the sticking point for Deshaun. He, I think he was willing to accept a longer suspension. Um, but the money was what was what he didn't want to accept. And, and I think that became a sticking point for his camp. So again, you know, um, those, the, the inside details there are only in so far as good as, as, um, the reliability of the unidentified sources, but we, we've, been reading articles lately that where where there's smoke there's fire um you know it sounded crazy that the miami dolphins a while back were forming some crazy plan to have brady come over and sean payton be their head coach and 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 who knows like it actually was true at the end of the day and they got fined their first round pick in 2023 um and and i guess that's the other uh news story that broke this past week but but turtle like what do you think about this, the Sean thing? How does it resolve? You know, if, if we, and if we're talking on the pod a week from now um, and something and the ruling has come down, what do you think that looks like? I really don't know. There's been so much speculation and I don't want to pick one, one way or the other. So I, I kind of just want to let it all play out and he's going to get what he deserves. I mean, it's all just a very interesting situation. It's a screwed up situation from all of the team perspectives, from Deshaun Watson perspective. And I think that it will be figured out sooner than later, but I would say that he's probably going to get a full year suspension at this point. I don't see how he doesn't. Yeah. Well, that, that is just an absolute um, gut punch to all those Cleveland skill weapons, the Kareem Hunts, the Nick Chubbs, the Amari Coopers, the David Bells, because when that six-game thing came down, there was, um, there was you know, some optimism around, uh, okay, we can deal with six games of Brissett, and uh, it looks like it's going to be much longer, almost like a lost season for, for Cleveland and um, their players in fantasy. So we'll have to see how that that turns out hopefully we get some news soon uh before the nfl season if though you know in dynasty if people with those assets need a replan based on um the drop in in market price or expectations that those guys have they'll have some time to do that before the season starts but nothing good nothing good with that appeal going down for deshaun watson and the cleveland browns yeah and, and the other thing is i keep seeing stories about Kareem Hunt's going to probably get traded here soon. Well, he wants money. I see that. I saw that before we jumped on and hit record that yeah. I guess today was the second day he, quote, held in, even yep. though he's not really eligible for a hold in because uh, we're at the point where the team can elect to fine him. Uh, mm. So we'll see how that resolves itself. But I don't think he really goes anywhere to be. No, he's staying. I got to think so. I got to think so. Um, but, I mean, who, who the hell knows? Um, maybe Pete Carroll wants another running back for Seattle this year. Yeah. I was, see, I was seeing Atlanta. I mean, nice destination. Yeah. Wide open opportunity. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how that works. So, on the uh, switching from the NFL League to our home Dynasty League, Turtle, we had some big news this week. We had a member... Uh, actually, the 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 runner up last year, um, exit stage left, just not cut out for dynasty. See you later, Mikey. See you, Mikey. And enter stage right, Mr. Mango. Uh, and then and then things got interesting, Turtle. Why don't I turn it over to you and and, and you you kind of break down maybe the the chaotic two to three days we've had in the uh, dynasty league and the chat. Oh boy. All right, so here's how the story goes. Mikey decided he did not want to play any longer in the league. And Mikey has a very good team. Like Matt said, he made it to the championship. It's just not his thing. He does not like that people text him constantly about trade offers. So he can't handle it. He can't can't handle it. The 100 notifications when he wakes up. No, he hates the 100 notifications. So we knew this day was coming sooner than later. I figured it was going to be in the 2023 season. It wouldn't be this season because he has a solid team. He's got a he great made it core. through most of the freaking offseason. Yeah, yeah. So he made it through most of the offseason. He's got a solid core starting with Jalen Hurts, 
Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, and DeAndre Swift. That is a great core, in my opinion. Don't tell, don't tell the yeah, Mike Evans. Don't tell the new guy we said so, but he's got a decent core. So Matt, I guess, is in some type of group chat or Discord with this guy named Mr. Mango. (laughs) Don't know the first thing about Mr. Mango. He came into the league. He was he was brought into sleeper. He came in hot. He seemed like a very good guy. Like he seemed like a very genuine guy. His his for, his original plan was he was going to start selling off the team to try to acquire twenty twenty three picks. And and let's be honest, though, that scared the hell out of you. That scared the absolute shit out of me because I thought the rich were just going to continue to get richer. And I have a very good team, but I don't have any first round drafts for next year. Or for many years, honestly, I, I I never collect picks. I just I just shoot from the hip and then try to get them at the end of the season. But that's neither here nor there. That's another story for later. So Mr. Mango comes in and he's just saying, "Oh, I'm going to tear this whole motherfucker down." Pretty much is basically what he said. The next day, it might have even been that same day. Next day, no. It was, the next it wasn't day. So the next day, Mr. Mango goes to Matt and Matt and he asks Matt if he can bring on a co-owner to the league, which has never been done before in our league. So obviously I was very, you know, I wasn't happy about it because I knew it's just not a good idea. I had a really bad experience in my league in a different uh, dynasty league last year where there was a co-managed team and those guys just couldn't come to decisions on anything whatsoever. So they just sat there and they were the most stagnant team in the league. Well, we ended up kicking the other co-manager out. So in this in this case, this new man comes in. His name's Ahmad. And Mr. Mango's talking up Ahmad like he's the king of fantasy football. I'm saying he knows everything. This guy is the greatest teacher one can have in fantasy. And we were all just like, oh, here we go again. So basically what happened was Ahmad comes into the league and his whole thought process changed. So it was... Let me break it down. Let me break it down to I'm not selling any of my core players whatsoever. And I, I'll I'll say from my point of view, I for a dynasty league, I want. I mean, obviously, I want to win, but I also want to have a nice competitive league as the commissioner. Of course. So throwing it back to you, where where Mango's uh, point of view was kind of scary to you. I mean. Okay, so on on the one hand, maybe if you wanted some of those assets and now he wants to keep them as his core and not trade them, you might be like, ah, damn, I thought I had a chance at Eckler or whoever. Um, but at the same time, on the other hand, that also means your competition's not getting those guys. So so how do you feel net-net about Ahmad in the league and his mindset of like, hey, this team made the championship last year. Hell, I'm going to freaking push for it again. I like it. I like it a lot. I, I think that it helps everyone else who's like a top six you know, like anywhere from the fourth team to the sixth team, you know, making the play a playoff team, but not not necessarily like slated to win the whole thing because they have some you know little holes in their roster. I think that helps all of us collectively tremendously. Yeah. The yeah. only thing is, I don't from my from my communications with him, I don't know where he's about, how he's getting the values of the players. If he's shooting from the hip, if he's using fantasy pros or dynasty nerds or our, our platform, like I don't know where he's getting any of his information makes his own ranks. If he's just making his own ranks or if he's literally just shooting from the hip with no knowledge whatsoever, I can't tell yet. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And and I, I, every new manager, I usually, um, I give them some time to orient with the league because it's, we've talked about this in a past pod, each league, certainly you're in another dynasty league. You could go, if you had, if you had Austin Eckler in our league and Austin Eckler in another league, um, and you put him on the block and you said, guys, this is not, this is not fake. I'm selling Austin Eckler. Send me your offers in. You reviewed all the offers and you accepted one in each league. The there would be one offer that's better than the other, ultimately, yes. right? Yes. Like yes. because every league's valuation and ecosystem and distribution of of players between teams is different. So, um, I'm not projecting this onto Ahmad, but he's in other dynasty leagues, which those players may be valued at certain prices in different leagues. 
Um, and it's just it's just going to take some time to understand. Okay, how does this particular league value draft picks? How does this particular league value quarterbacks in a super flex? Okay, it's tight end premium. Does the majority of managers actually care about a tight end? It's a star three wide receivers. How do they value those versus only a star two running back? Um, do people care about age as much uh, because it's a dynasty format? All those things are are going to change rapidly. Not only manager to manager, but also league to league. Uh, maybe less rapidly um, league to league than manager to manager in those in those different inputs. But it's going to take some time. And ultimately, if you want to get trades done, um, sometimes you got to meet someone halfway. So I would say we got a we got a couple weeks left of the preseason before things even start heating up. Um, player performances start taking place on the actual NFL field injuries, unfortunately start setting in and then you're forced to make moves anyway. Um, I, I have high confidence and I'm putting a lot of eggs in the, in the Ahmad basket that he's going to be a good, um, contributing member to the league and, and, and be around for many years to come. And then it, it'll only take some time for us to figure out his trade style. Absolutely. He's a nice guy. He he does remind me of our ex-league uh, member by the name of Sadzi. Oh, He Sadzi, does remind yeah. me of a little bit of Sadzi. I don't know if it's how he values people or just the way he he he, uh, he text messages. Just that same kind of – I get that same kind of vibe. Um, so let's just hope that's not the case because if it is, then Ahmad's team is going to be sitting extremely stagnant. And he's going to be afraid to make moves like a few other guys in our league are, to be honest with you. Sadzi. Yeah, that's a, that's a blast from the past there. Just don't be stagnant. If, so it, speaking it. of trades, though, speaking of trades, um, and this is the last housekeeping item before we move on, there was only one trade that took place um, since we were last on the pod. Um, I was involved with that one again, and it was between me and Stay Puffed, a.k.a. Jesse. Mm-hmm. And... Turtle, I'll I'll lay out what the trade was, and I want you to break it down, and I want you to be completely honest of your viewpoints, and if you were mad, angry, um, indifferent, whatever. So yeah. I sent away Jared Goff, Devin Singletary, and a 2023 second, which is likely to be. I, I'd say it would be, it would be safe to say that it was it's either a middle, it's probably a middle pick. Um, so, so 206 to 208, maybe 205 to 208, um, but likely not, um, an early, uh, not definitely not a top three or four, I doubt, um, 23 second. And I received back Daniel Jones in exchange for Jared Goff. And I received back Elijah Mitchell in exchange for Devin Singletary. Yeah. You want me to be honest? Please. I, I don't like Devin Singletary. So, I was I wasn't mad. I wasn't upset. I think that the tra- the trade was very even, but I also just didn't really understand the reasoning behind the trade because it seems to me that the only reason Jesse did approve that trade is because he was getting that second round pick, which I think he could have gotten elsewhere. I don't think that he needed to t- to take um to to you know give up one of the higher upside young running backs in the NFL, who is Elijah Mitchell, even with the scary news that it could be a split backfield and there could be multiple different running backs, um, you know, getting work there. At the time of that trade, that was true, but I will say the drumbeat out of SF camp. No, that's, and that's what I'm saying. But Elijah no, Mitchell yeah. is absolutely dominating and is the yeah. runaway. Well, I saw, no, and that's what I told Jesse because I saw a tweet from 49ers camp the same day that he made that trade, and it basically said, here's the breakdown of all of the uh, rushes that happened. And it was like, it was like Eli Mitchell 22, and then all these other guys, like the imp, Tyrion Prince. Yeah. Just not, yeah. Like maybe like a handful, like two or three of them each. So, Damn, so yeah, he's the runner. No, yeah. the so I was just, because dude, honestly, I think that Daniel Jones to, to switch gears. I think Daniel Jones is a much more high upside um, type of player than Jared Goff ever can be just because Daniel Jones has the ability to get stuff done with his legs. Um, so overall, like it was a fair trade, and it might shake out to be completely dead even, depending on who Jesse gets with that second round pick. Yeah. Um, 
But me personally, I'll take the side that you you got just because I don't think Singletary has any dynasty value past this year. And that he might prove me wrong, but I just don't think he does. And Goff might not either with this crazy quarterback class coming in. And Daniel Jones might not either. Yeah, so Daniel Jones maybe, might not either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So really, yeah, who knows? The trade, Mitchell, and, yeah. and Mitchell may or may not. So No, Mitchell should, though. He's young. Should. He's one of the yeah, – yeah. Do you know with you know with Elijah Mitchell that they didn't have the combine that year that he came into the NFL, but he was considered the fastest, most explosive running back in that whole rookie class. But there was no combine to back those numbers up. But it, and it, that might have helped San Fran if he went and he like you know blew up the combine. He might not have been around in that whatever he was fifth round when they when they ended up taking him yeah he dominated on the uh, raging cajuns absolutely dominated so I, I i like eli mitchell he's a hard guy to gauge and a hard guy to value but he's a high upside player i think both guys singletary and uh elijah mitchell are both going in that late seventh to early eighth round um so i mean it's a fair deal it's just a matter of preference i think <sighs> okay, well, I clearly preferred Mitchell. Gave away the second to 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 get that deal done, um, and we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, we'll see. I, it's 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 going to work out both ways, I think. Yeah. So stock up, stock down. Last division, and possibly the best division. It's where the Super Bowl champs reside. It's the NFC West. Turtle, as always, what team would you like to start with? Yeah, let's just go with the Rams, man. Okay, we'll start with the defending champs, and um, let's start with your stock up. Let's start on a positive note. Yeah, my stock up's going to be Allen Robinson. Same. All right. You, can mean, ri- you rip through this one because you're, you're a beast with this. I'll, 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 all I'll say is that Allen Robinson now finally has a quarterback, although Matthew Stafford's elbow seems to be pretty decimated. He still has a much better quarterback than he ever has in his whole career. You got Odell Beckham, who still hasn't re-signed, and he's injured. And you got this kind of 50-50 split running back committee with Akers and um, Henderson. So I just think that Allen Robinson could honestly have the world by the balls this year. And, you know, he could really take some work away from Cup, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit a lot of the points that I got. Uh, the the backfield, this 50 50- like, hey, I, I see, like, we got two good running backs. I mean, generally, my rule of thumb is, and this is the same thing, we'll, we'll talk about uh, Seattle a little bit with these two quarterbacks. If you think you got two quarterbacks, you actually got none. If you think you got two running backs, you actually don't have any because there's not one that you trust. Um, that's generally my rule of thumb, how I look at it with these situations. It's like, I don't care who wins the thing. If, if, if they're actually competing, that means neither one of them is actually good enough to, to be the guy. Um, so that that's interesting. The, the run game might not be as reliable this year, which means they might default to do what they needed to do to beat the Bengals in the biggest game of the season last year, and that's throw the ball. Now, OBJ is not there, and I don't think he's coming back anytime soon, and he might not even be back to the Rams. He might be a guy that... Who knows if Aaron Rodgers needs a piece and they're a 10-win team or something and they they need some juice for the playoffs, they might sign him. It's not written um, in stone that that once he's healthy, he's signing with the Rams. I think that's far off from from accurate. And then don't forget, we got this weird, like Van Jefferson went down with a knee injury. Um, The chemistry between... Allen Robinson and and Stafford is already set to be pretty high. We know Cooper Cup's there, and it's like, who the heck would want to be in Cooper Cup's shadow? But, I mean, this is a guy who last season you could have probably gotten, based on his performance, for a second-round pick. And I think this is a guy who, based on how he's going to do in once the week one whistle blows and and going forward is – He's going to be a value based on what I've seen, what Robert Woods was doing and how good Odell was all of a sudden once he left Cleveland, that he's going to be a guy who someone will come to you and pay a first-round pick for. So I see yeah. that as, as a stock up where if you bought him for a second and you do want to sell, wait a few games where he actually performs, and you're going to say, yeah, do you want this explosive wide receiver? Yeah, give me a, give me a late 2023 first or give me – 
three second round picks or, or two second, you'll make a profit based on if you bought them a few months ago. So stock's going up for a Rob. Yeah. The, uh, the good thing about, you know, him, Alan Robinson is that you just, you basically are penciling him into Odell's role and Odell had a 19% target share and he was scoring almost 13 fantasy points per game. Um, you know, so it's like, He's going to step up, and I think he's going to have some big spike weeks this year, and I think that he'll be a solid wide receiver too. Like, if you're, I'm, full, even, yeah. I'm fully throwing out the Chicago year last year. I don't think he's washed. I think he was just sandbagging him because he didn't. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was pissed off. He was pissed off. I, I don't blame him. So, stock down. It is a guy that I mentioned in my uh, in my review of of a Rob. It's out of the backfield. It's Cam Akers. I figured it would be, my man. So, I mean, for me, here's the thing. I struggle with Cam Akers, guys, because if he didn't come back, imagine a world where he gets hurt in the in uh, what, training camp, right, last year, blows his Achilles, and just doesn't come back. They IR'd him immediately. He didn't come back. He didn't look like shit. And then you got James Robinson going down in week 15 and getting all this hype and notoriety because he got hurt, what, 15? And and he got hurt in the preseason, so 16 weeks. That's four months. Four months after Cam Akers went down, James Robinson is running around, gutting, gutting a – uh, head coach saying he's our number one. Like, the hype for Akers, who has four extra months of recovery, would be nuts, right? And there would be some hype videos of him running drills, and, and Cam Akers is back, he, uh, he's strong, he's in the weight room, all that stuff. And the fantasy community would be falling over themselves to buy Akers, right? But because he came back, early and rushed it and put that bad tape out there, his stock is down. And with the recent comments from Sean McVay saying, Hey, yeah, we got two guys that we really like and drafting Kyron Williams, who I know was, was a combine bust, but also getting kind of hyped despite the hurt foot saying, yeah, he, he does things that these other guys don't catching passes and stuff. I mean, there's nothing positive about it, and it's really hurting his stock. It's it's a guy who I think you would have a really, really t- tough time selling at this point. So from from what you paid a season ago to now, Acres for me is a stock down. And the and I just went on a, a long, long-winded way of saying, I, I'm telling you, his stock would be up at this point if he did not come back early and bomb the way he did. So... Maybe that's also a kind of hidden opportunity, but I would say if you're going out to try to acquire Cam Akers, you're not going to have to pay as much today as you would have had to if he didn't come back at all. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I agree with you. I, I did see some positive news about Cam Akers today. They said that he was looking quite explosive and he was making some good plays. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, he was going to be a top dog before that uh that injury so now he's really just got to uh, get back into his into form which is very hard with an achilles injury so i i agree with you plus you got daryl henderson who's very very good like he's not a bad back at all yeah who is your stock down uh it was tyler higby i like it's it just, it's just I... for reasons you know it's just because you got alan robinson you got these Two, uh, you got these two running backs that do catch passes out of the backfield, and then you also got Van Jefferson, and then you got Cooper Cup. I mean, last year Higby had 85 targets. Last he had 85 targets. He ended up with almost 600 yards and five touchdowns, but he did have a big knee injury, so he's not even fully healthy right now. So I do think that it's gonna um, hamper those stats this year. So I just don't know, like. He, the Rams could technically have some type of elite tight end on their team eventually. I just don't think it's going to be Higby. I think Higby's just, he's kind of just kind of boring, you know. He'll he's have a, a couple a, of good games, but it's not yeah. going to be anything crazy. 
Right, he is. He has the skill set of a player that I care nothing about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I like that one. Yeah, that's it. I mean, and he might have a game where he scores two touchdowns, maybe even three or something like that. But he'll get a little hype. But I, I think it would be fool's gold. Yeah, I mean, we already know this. I mean, if you're not a top six tight end, you're pretty much worthless. Yeah. Yeah, so let, let's talk about um, a team with a top six tight end, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, stock up, who'd you have for them? Stock up is Trey Lance to the moon, dude. Okay, all right. I tell mean, us Trey, about it's got to be Trey. It's got to be Trey. He's going to be finally given the opportunity to, you know, showcase his skills. And I think that what we're seeing in training camp is he's starting to form connections with some of these skill position players. I think that Trey Lance has the ability to be a Jalen Hurts type player, but he might honestly be a better passer. We're going to we're going to see. Time will tell, but I think it's going to be Trey Lance is going to be unleashed. It's not because he's on my team, it's just because it makes sense. Like yes, I understand that they're 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 a run heavy team, but Trey Lance is going to be a huge part of that run heavy team. So I think he's going to be a dominant fantasy football player this year. And I think really, as long as he can maintain, you know, his, his, if he can maintain like playing under pressure, he's going to be a fine quarterback in the NFL and has such high upside. Yeah. I mean, what, what would you put the odds at in favor of him becoming a reliable fantasy QB one versus him bombing out in two years. I mean, I think it's kind of similar to the Jalen Hurd situation. He's just got to prove to himself, to the fans, to his team, that he is capable of manning the offense. So it's hard to say, like, will he be a long-term quarterback in the NFL? I think that he has the skill set, too. But I think that it's really going to fall on whether or not he could, you know, compete under pressure. Like I said, like it's really just going to depend. But I think that he definitely can like be 60, long. 60, 40. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I, think 70, I think 70, 30 with his draft capital and with his, you know, athleticism. I think that he has a very good shot to be a good player, a very, very good player in the NFL, a very good quarterback in the NFL. Okay. All right. All right, my stock up, and it's it's a little biased, I think, based on some of the hype that I've been reading. But uh, it's Brandon Ayuk. I don't know. I think he is going to turn a corner in his professional career. It's not, it seems like he's got a really good uh, rapport with Lance. I know Debo's there, and he's going to do Debo-type things. But I think Ayuk's finally going to emerge into like an actual reliable um, wide receiver that you can use in fantasy. Shanahan obviously has a very appealing offense. He, everyone, you know, should strive to get, um, you know, a piece of, of San Fran. You want at least a piece, no matter if it's in the tight end room or the RB room or the wide receiver room or the QB room for those good offenses. And I think Ayuk provides a reliable piece where – you know, he had that nice rookie season. The year after, no one was drafting Debo ahead of Ayuk this past season. And then yeah. Debo comes out, does what he does. Uh, Ayuk went into the doghouse. And I think maybe that was that was a big, you know, wake-up call for him because by all accounts this offseason, he's taking his uh, professional job very seriously and is clicking very well you know, on all cylinders with the coaches, with the new quarterback, looking good, looking like a beast out there. And then, you know, Debo had his little mini hold out, hold in, whatever it was. And, and Ayuk was, was running with the ones and that's invaluable reps. Those reps are invaluable. Um, so I'm liking Ayuk. Nice. So I'm going to just take a guess and say that your stock down is Debo. Nah, it's not Debo. Who is it? You want me to go stock down yeah, first? Yeah, let's hear it. So my stock down was the uh, 
it's it's not a fun one. It's just the the rest of the wide receiver team. So yeah, it makes it was it was Jawan Jennings, um, who was getting a lot of kind of polarizing talk. Um, not that you maybe had to spend much, if at anything, for him. Uh, if you threw out a fourth round pick and sent back a fifth, you might have probably got Jawan Jennings if someone had him. If he if he wasn't free a free agent in your league. However, um, that was at this kind of crossroads in the offseason where you kind of take these these shots at players, um, kind of like when we were talking about Crowder, you know, not a big name, but had a big opportunity. If Debo decides to move on, well, holy crap, you might be holding on to the, um, the wide receiver two here. And I think Danny Gray, I don't know enough about him. I think with his speed, he's going to be on special teams. So it was really going to be um, Jennings who is going to be able to shine. Uh, again, if you want a piece of this San Fran offense, it's like, well, go grab someone. If anyone, if someone ahead of him got hurt, if Ayuk went down, if Debo went down, you're again, you're holding a really good piece. I remember last year I was holding on to that wide receiver three in the Minnesota offense, KJ Osborne. Yep. And when Thielen went down, he was, I mean, he was super usable. Um, I mean, not even as a flex. He he warranted like wide receiver two, three um, use because we're a star three league. And he was great. And that's in, you know, a Mike Zimmer, Kirk Cousins offense. Imagine what, you know, Jawan Jennings could have done. But we don't get that. We get Debo re-signed and we get really, really bad reports out of, out of um, camp so far that he's really struggling with drops. So Jawan Jennings kind of, Stock dropped like a stone to me. Not an exciting one, guys, but um, one where I would feel comfortable kind of cutting ties and, and, and taking another lotto ticket on my roster as opposed to um, keeping him around. Absolutely, and not all of them can be exciting because, you know, guys that are on good offenses, sometimes the stock's just not down. It's either neutral or it's up, but um, yeah. I, I agree. A, this was a hard team because it's yeah, such it's a hard coach. You just, you're like, yeah, like they're all going to be good in theory, yeah. right? Unless injuries hit. And I, um, I'm so very th- excited to see if Danny Gray is going to be good because there's a lot of hype coming out about him too. Yeah. We'll and they see. just signed Willie Sneed. So. Wow. Big Willie. Big Willie right. style now that he means. Big Willie style. No, but um, my stock down is pretty simple. It's going to be Trey Sermon and Tyrion, Tyrion Price. I just think that, like, what we just were talking about, we see that Elijah – What? You think they're just, like, destroying each other's value? They're going to destroy each other's value, and but we're already seeing it in training camp that, you know, Elijah Mitchell is getting the bulkhead of the carries. So I think that that's going to continue unless something – like an injury happens, I think that, you know, Elijah Mitchell will get most of the opportunities out of that backfield. Um, the sky's the limit for Elijah Mitchell this year. We saw him just dominate in his rookie season. Unfortunately, he was hurt for a few games, and, you know, we didn't really get to see if he can carry the full workload, but all signs are pointing to that he can, especially with all these new these uh, new stories coming out of training camp saying that he's the one getting the 18 carries the, in the in the day. You know, so it's it's exciting to see because he's a good player. I I've always liked Eliza Mitchell. Yeah, you wrote him hard last year. Yeah, him I like him to, so I, to a lot of victories last yeah, year. Yeah, and it's hard to say that Trey Sermon's stock is down more than it already is. Yeah, but I just don't see him getting on the field very often. And maybe maybe the imp, Tyrion Price, can get on the field, but I don't know how big of a role he'll have in his uh, first season. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a bad bad take. I think the, the drop-off, and you can lump Jeff Wilson in there, whatever you thought those guys could become based on some maybe hype off-season pieces, it's looking far likelier that um, they're just the caddy to, um, to Eli Mitchell, so... Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, I actually think Jeff Wilson might have a bigger role than both those guys. Yeah, because just because you know he's he's a bit proven, so they might they might have a little bit of faith in him. Uh, if uh, Mitchell needs a breather, he's a he's breather. Vet. He's the vet, so he probably gets you know um, first crack at not losing the job. He probably needs to you know kind of get outperformed on the practice field to lose it just because of his veteran status. Absolutely. Now let's move on to a team. Yeah, we're going to move on to Seattle. This one's going to be so hard in the stock up category. 
So yeah. let's just start with stock down. <laughs> because it's so much easier to talk stock down. I mean, can you say, can we just say the whole team? You, I mean, you can lump everyone. I mean, this is a team where it's like, damn, I don't want any assets. Yeah, uh, you'll, you'll take Kenneth Walker. If you were given Kenneth Walker, you would take him as a flyer. So praying that they get a quarterback next year and things change. Yeah, I mean, but my easy stock down um, is a big name. It's DK Metcalf. Same. Um, guys, I don't. I would not even feel comfortable starting DK Metcalf as my wide receiver two. Wow. I think we need to consider him in the wide receiver three range, and I think the only thing that's really keeping him there is his pure and immense like physical talent. Because I'm not going to take some four game sample size when Geno Smith was the quarterback and extrapolate that to 16 and say, no, DK Metcalf's a wide receiver one. Not going to happen. Why? Because we see it all the time when, like, you get a spot start. I mean, when you see Mike White put up, like, a 30-point fantasy burger for the Jets last year, when you see um, Jacoby Brissett back in the day, uh, Brady was, I think, suspended for four games, and Brissett led the Pats to a three and one start uh, to the year. Like anyone can capture lightning in a bottle, but when you have other defenses have tape on you and can, and can game plan defensively to stop you, they are going to do so unless you are good enough to rise above one. I don't trust that Pete Carroll and his team is good enough to use Geno Smith in many various different ways because Geno Smith game is very narrow and limited. Very. So if they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, you're t- today you're going to be like Lamar run and gun. Tomorrow you're going to be pocket passer like Brady because the defenses are, are you know, this versus that. It, it's going to be a disaster. And I think that that shit rolls downhill and impacts everyone. But proportionally from a stock perspective, I think it's DK. And the reason I think that is – we love DK. He still is a big name, but he doesn't have a really bad year. An Allen Robinson year, he's going to do better than Allen Robinson, let's be serious. But he doesn't have a bad year on his resume. And if you think that's going to change when Seattle ultimately face plants, gets a high draft pick, gets a rookie QB, I challenge you to go back and look at historically, what name me a rookie QB who has supported... Um, a top wide receiver. Mm. Like, name me na- a, a wide receiver one. Like, th- it doesn't... Rookie QBs do not create wide receiver ones. So, if you got to at least wait to the sophomore year for that rookie QB, if they hit, we're talking the 2022 and 2023 season. When you combine not only one down season to a second down season because of rookie QB, and he's going to be there, they just re-upped. Big contract. He's not like getting an escape after the season. I mean, we're talking potential two years of, of downward motion, and what you value him at today is going to be very different than what you and your your league and your league mates value him at tomorrow. And it sucks because he's su- he's one of my favorite players personally. Yeah, he's a beast. Um, but it's stocked down, and to me, it's quite easy. Yeah, he was my stock down. Also, I mean, just look at his stats. So his rookie year, hundred targets. Sophomore season, 129 targets, and then last year, 129 targets. I don't see a world in which he can come close to that this year. I don't know if they're going to throw the ball that much this year. And the craziest part about that is that PFF ranked the Seahawks the 32nd. They they ranked them dead last as an offensive line. So even if you want to rely on the run game, you're not going to be able to because your offensive line is trash. Yeah, they're just, just in, they're garbage. just they're just in a terrible situation. It's garbaggio. Yeah, it's garbaggio. It might change if somehow, some way, the 49ers release Jimmy G and then he gets picked up by Seattle. I think that's a huge long shot, but it is still a possibility. And I think that we'd be having a much different conversation if that were the case. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, stock up for me, it's Kenneth Walker. Yeah. And it's because he's a young, high draft pick, and the guy ahead of him is Rashad Penny, and on a team that likes to run the ball, and the guy ahead of him is known to get injured. 
Yeah. So I think we might see a very tight. Now I'm not going to say he's going to turn into Jonathan Taylor, but I think I I I, I think we're going to see a very Jonathan Taylor esque um type rookie season, which is you thought he would take the backfield from Marlon Mack, but you know Mack sticks around. He eventually gets injured, and then Jonathan Taylor still isn't given the full workload, but he slowly ramps up, and then, like, whatever it is, the last six to eight weeks of the season, um, he kind of gets the reins, and he does well. Makes sense. I think that's Walker's probably going to be pretty similar. Penny's the guy. He's kind of, you know, the caddy, and he's coming in. He's getting a few touches here. He's not really usable in fantasy. Um, Kenneth Walker, that is. And then either... A, Penny eventually gets hurt, or B, the record's so bad, the coaching staff's like, well, let's see what we have in this rookie. Generally, that's what happens. I'm not going to predict injuries here on the pod. So I I think it's going to be more like, well, this is a lost season. We're we're one in seven. We're one in eight. Um, Let's get, you know, these rookies out there, get some more run. And, um it, maybe it's not for lack of Penny putting up good numbers themselves. It's just a lack of we're in evaluation mode because the season's over. And yeah, he's I, usable I, on the back half, and that's stock up for me. And that's it sucks. This is a really crappy team. That's the best compelling argument I can give you for stock up. And it's not yeah. a, like a great one. There's a lot of what ifs in there. Yeah, there's a lot of what ifs. But I mean, he is the clear stock up on the team just because he's the rookie. He has an elite capability i mean he was i think fourth or fifth in heisman voting last year so it's not like he's a schlub he's a he's a very very good player and now you're starting to see that um they're starting to pass him the ball at least in some of these training camp videos which they really were kind of adamant about not passing him the ball they were just going to make him a true running back you know that just similar to nick chubb or one of those guys who doesn't really catch the ball too many times derrick henry um well derrick henry started catching the ball heavily last or last year but i mean kenneth walker should be the guy on that team eventually my stock up wasn't kenneth walker it was actually rashad penny just because i like that just because i think that he will get a majority of the carries to start the year like you just said we won't predict injuries but history tends to repeat itself, knock on wood, because I do have Christian McCaffrey. I hope that doesn't happen, and I hope it's not in, uh, history repeating itself. But I don't know how durable Rashad Penny could be for a full, for a full year. Um, but if he can withstand that, then his stock will be good, and he's going to be a decent running back this year. He's not going to be top 10. He's not going to probably even be top fifteen, but he'll get he'll get the the job done for a very piss poor Seattle Seahawks team. Yeah, that's really uh, it. All right, all right, I like it. Last but not least, though, we have the Arizona Cardinals, and this one's not any easier. I mean, this is some weird stuff going on. Um, you got the DeAndre Hopkins suspension. You log into any. App. He's going to have the sus next to his name, little S-U-S. Mm-hmm. So you think Marquise Brown is like the clear, well, six games, played with Kyler, but, I mean, he hasn't even practiced yet. There haven't been really good vibes around him. He was my guy that he I was mine too. He was, he was, but I've crossed him out since as, as we've, you know, on the lead up to the pod from my notes – Previously to to what I'm comfortable putting on air, um, I switched it recently to Kyler Murray. I'm just going to go with with the safer Kyler Murray, who um, he got all the money. He's got all the investment possible from the team. He had the little clause in his contract removed, so he's already you know, he doesn't need to study. Uh, he just needs to go out and ball. And I think he's going to spread it around and. He's going to have this injection of talent when DeAndre Hopkins comes back. And I think his his trajectory is going to go up as the year goes on, like as these weapons come come back. I was really close to just defaulting to James Conner because I looked at that running back room, and it's not very strong, like Daryl Williams, you know, Benjamin, um, the other rookie they drafted. It Deontay Ingram. Yeah, Ingram. It's not very compelling. So I'm like, okay, Conner's got a pretty damn safe role. But – 
I'm going with the guy who throws the ball to everyone as opposed to trying to choose a pass catcher who I think is going to be stock up, especially with Hollywood already like, I think, hammy, arrested, and just all all around kind of a weirdo right now. I'm, I'm going Kyler. Makes sense. Kyler is the best player on that team by a long shot. But my uh, stock up is going to be Zach Ertz. I really – I like it. I like it. Be, he might be actually. He might be the most dependable pass catcher there yeah, now, right? He's the most dependable cat pass catching option on that team. He's going to actually play a full year with Kyler this year. He because since he got traded last year from the Eagles, so I'm sure that that report is developing quite nicely, especially with the uh, with Hopkins out and and uh, Hollywood not playing. Um, I just think that he's going to be fine he's gonna be just fine he's gonna do what he always does he honestly could surpass expectations and be you know a top you know seven tight end this year depending on how kyler plays and how kyler throws him the ball so i just think he's pretty he's cemented in stone that he's going to be one of their uh best options especially in the red zone which i think they will be in the red zone quite often this year yeah yeah, I, I think Kyler's still going to move the team up and down the field pretty good. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. I mean, Rondell Moore, dude. Rondell Moore, I've been seeing a lot of hype about, too. I, I didn't want to put him as my stock up just because I don't know too much um, about what his role's going to be. But you know what, man? Rondell could be an absolute sneaky little player. He could. He could. We got a lot of a lot of these sneaky little guys over on Rosie's team. More... Both Moores, Rondell and Sky, Juju. He's got some players. I actually just sent Rosie a trade for Rondell, but it probably won't ever go through. <laughs> All right. Uh, my stock down, another unexciting one, and I'll be brief about this. It's AJ Green. Um, what, uh, we're talking dynasty, guys. What, what the hell are we doing? We got a 34-year-old wide receiver who's just completely dusted, like completely and utterly dusted. Um, yeah. He's not worth a roster spot. Um, he's going to be absolutely worth nothing um, after this season. So if anyone values him, go get what you can for him. Utter disappointment last season, despite how much run he had and the fact that he stayed around healthy. He just, he's lost it. Um, loved AJ Green in, in his prime. Just loved it. Uh, but no, stock down, worth close to zero. Yeah, I mean, he's the only real stock down player um, that you could think of. He was mine, actually, as well. I mean, like you just said, he's an old dog, man. He doesn't have the uh, he doesn't have it in him anymore, and he proved that very well last year. I remember last year he made so many boneheaded plays in the uh, in the end zone where he just would drop the ball, and you'd be like, "What the hell are you doing, man?" He used to be one of the most elite wide receivers in the NFL, and now. It sucks because age really does catch up to you. Um, he had a great career. Is he a Hall of Famer? What do you think? Uh, I think he was the same year as Julio. Okay. He was and, 2011. And Julio's a shoo-in for the Hall of Fame. So, I don't know. He's got 10,000 career, he's got 10, career um, yards, receiving yards. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if he if he happens to stick around for another few seasons and compile a few more stats, then yeah, he's going to be in there. Yeah, but yeah, he's the, he's the clear he's the clear stock down. I don't know how much he'll even be on the field this year, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, he was he was an awesome talent. Like I said, I I loved him, but um, we're talking dynasty as times pass. So, absolutely. All right, turtle. NFC West, we're done. We went through every division, stock up, stock down over the past eight weeks or so. How do you feel? We're done. I feel great, man. I'm ready to get into some interesting stuff. Maybe some. I, I I'm sure we have some ideas. We I know we want to be a lot of. We got, preseason starts this week, so we're gonna want to talk about you know what 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 we're seeing, um, yeah. who's playing, who's not playing, and what does that mean. Sometimes who's not playing means a little bit more than who's actually playing. What, you mean like the uh, the Josh Jacobs calamity the other day? Uh, yeah. With that, a lot was of calamity, saying, why, that was calamity, man. That was calamity. Why would he be out? If he's not fighting for a spot, why would he possibly be on the field in such a meaningless game? I understand it. Josh McDaniels came out and said, guys, you know, don't worry about it. 
you can't yeah. simulate real tackling like this in practice. Nope. So um, we want to get our running backs more run because, you know, you can get, you can have a wide receiver be, um, get into a very physical matchup with a cornerback and that's, you know, you can simulate that, but you know, we're not telling our guys to get smashed in practice running back. So we want to get those real life reps. I mean, insofar as you believe that argument, then don't put any stock into that, that news, but um, we'll, we'll look at other backfields, right. Where there's competitions who who's playing and who's not, um, you know, those wide receiver rooms. I think Dallas is going to be a very interesting wide receiver room. Uh, to, to see how it works out with the the news that Wa- uh, James Washington is going to be out six to eight weeks. So there's going to be some opportunity there uh, who emerges. I, there'll be interesting storylines to, to follow Turtle, and we'll certainly do that, and we'll talk about them. Sounds like a plan. I'm excited. All right, man. Well, have a good rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you soon. You too, Matt. Enjoy your weekend. All right. See you guys. See you.